I, I love Japan. It was it's it. I I first played there in 1981, and it was a, it was a it was a, a amazing time because it was a it was a uh, I got to reunite with my father because he was living there at the time, and so I have really 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 strong memories of of Tokyo and and just fell in love with the with the culture and the people and the food. I mean, you have to imagine. I mean, I'd never seen it. A piece of sushi when I was nineteen or twenty, or you never even knew it existed. Um, and when I first went there, there was this other thing which I'd never seen before or heard of called karaoke, which uh, I, I thought it was one of the funniest things that I've ever seen. Because uh, we went to a bar and, and and these fellas would get up there with their ties and and they'd all be sitting there. They'd have their own whiskeys and everything, and they do these songs. And it was just I, I was I couldn't believe it. And of course, it became the biggest thing, you know. Everyone knows karaoke. It's just it's just a word now. We think of it, but back then it wasn't it wasn't a thing. It was just a it was a Japanese cultural thing. Welcome, Dave and Steve here, and thanks for joining us for today's podcast. In case you're hearing a slight licking noise, Daisy's here licking my feet here. Who's uh, Daisy? Daisy's my daughter. That sounds dog. weird. I know it does. Uh, and I went for a swim this morning, and she loves licking the salt off my legs. Anyway, uh, this it. Today we've got. A wonderful guest, someone that we've admired for years. And, and we, were, we were just discussing there that uh, probably anyone over the age of 30 is quite likely to have made out to one of his songs, which that sounds weird. But uh, this, yeah, today we're chatting to the wonderful Brian Adams and it is the Brian Adams of Summer, and six, summer of 69. And everything I do. Sorry, I can't really say. Excuse, sorry, Brian. Uh, but uh, we've included our conversation with Brian in our community series because, to us, one of the main reasons why we've got the honor of talking with Brian was the sense that he's such an advocate for. He's been eating a vegan diet for over thirty years. He's he's really into animal rights and that sense of community around that. And what he exam exemplifies for us in that sense of community is one: he's an individual who really took charge of his health throughout you know, the peak of his music career, one of the most busiest times where he played 286 gigs uh, and, really looked at, and really looked after his own health during this period and that sense of so that he could commune with others by bringing the best. He's also, as he said to himself, he's had the same band for his whole career, pretty much. He's been, you know, they've been a team for 20s and 30 years with various different people. So loyalty and community has been central to a lot of his kind of life. It was, uh, it was a really colourful conversation where we talked about gardening, food, very interesting chatting food with Brian Adams. I loved it. It was a really sweet, soulful, heartfelt conversation that I'm left with a warm, fuzzy feeling. Brian Adams was fabulous. It's a great conversation. So hope you hope you really enjoy it. Let us know on social what you think about it. And as we say loads of times, thanks, Mill, for all your positive feedback and all the other episodes. This is part of our community series, which is all about helping us build creative communities together. Um, one thing I thought to include was this this episode was produced by the great Sarah Fawcett and the wonderful Shawnee Cahill. Woo! Ah, you're a star. Thanks, Emil, for doing this. We greatly appreciate it. Did you get my message this morning? I said, how come Happy Pair haven't sent me a load of their home cooking yet? Oh, we'll send you some products. You send us an address and we'll send you some products. Yeah, I think we I want, get I want the home, I want the home cooking. When I saw that bread that you guys were making, I was like, Wow, oh, we make good bread. We make really good bread. And our bakery, our bakery was, was a year old there on Saturday. So we had a five tier massive Guinness cake, vegan Guinness cake. So it was you, very you cool. make You make gluten free. Not so much in the bakery because with sourdough, it's very difficult. We certainly find to do 
Yeah. You know what? There's there's a bakery in Vancouver which makes the most incredible gluten free bread. It's amazing. What do they base it on? Potato or corn flour? Or... I'm not sure. They're called Lemonade. Uh, they're based in Vancouver. You could reach out to them. Um, okay, sure. Pretty 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 amazing. Do you stay away from gluten? Well, you know, when I can, I prefer. For example, I like to eat uh, corn tortillas. Yeah. Uh, so, so I'll, um, I'll, I'll if, if I have the option of having a piece of toast or a corn tortilla, I'll toast a corn tortilla. Wow. So, like, so you're not gluten free completely. You're just vegan, really. I'm vegan, but I will tend to go gluten free if I can. Do you, and do you have any philosophy in terms of raw or that type of thing? Because I know you're a big fruit man. Um, I try uh, every day to eat half of what I'm, my content of food is, is raw. So uh, fruit and vegetables, salads, and then the rest of it, I'll have cooked stuff. But one half of everything I eat is, 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 uh, is, is raw. Good philosophy. Have you been doing that for 30 years or is that a recent development? Yeah, I did, I did a, a crash course in raw for about a year and a half. And that was really hard to do. I used to have dreams of spaghetti. <laughs> yeah. I, Honestly, I ate a... I ate a raw diet for about a year and I felt super physically healthy, but I was yeah. a bit neurotic and obsessive. Like the way you said, I was just craved for a bowl of porridge or like a baked potato with some olive oil. It was like, oh, I know. Eventually I weaned myself back onto it. But I have to say that the year that I, I did spend on, on raw was the healthiest I've ever been. I don't know why I didn't stay more, but at least 50 percent of my diet. And how did it, how did it translate? Because that was the one thing we found that didn't make it sustainable was that every time you were out with other people or you were like, it was kind of, it was kind of slightly separate from life. Like you're, you're, it just took so much management that it made you, made us feel slightly isolated, if you know what I mean. A bit weird, you know, that way. Whereas like, you know, the way we were physically very healthy, but we were socially a bit kind of outside, if you know what I mean. It was like isolating in a sense. I don't mind that. I don't mind being outside of it because... It, for me, it was really a good health thing to do, and I'll, I'll never regret it, no matter how outside I felt made or made other people feel, um, because it, it's, it's a really good diet to do, and it's very good for you to, to, to eat just raw food. Um, there's nothing like it. There really and so, isn't. And so what would be, for anyone listening, like what would be your, like, so if you're eating raw food, so would that mean salads for lunch and like a fruit yeah. smoothie for brekkie and if you're peckish you'd, you'd you'd go for a banana or nuts um and i'd have to go back dates were a big thing i ate a lot of dates uh the medjool dates um i love them yeah but it was back in 2017 and if i look back at photographs of myself then um i'm definitely slimmer than i am now uh which uh, i'm already pretty slim yeah you're lean uh, but, um, do you still fit into your, like the, the suit that you graduated school in? Like you probably, you uh, inter you do. interesting question. But the, uh, the thing that did happen to me was I had to buy new clothes about two or three months in because none of my, my trousers were just falling off me. Wow. Uh, yeah. So if you look, if you're looking to lose weight, go raw. Wow, jeez. Yeah, when, we, when I got into it, I got super obsessive, like into sprouting everything, into fermenting, into... See, see, the thing is, like, when I went raw food, you kind of really idealize what you can't have. So you're trying to create raw lasagnas and you're trying to create raw spaghetti yeah. and raw everything. And when yeah. you did that, you ended up going down the nut road and you ended up eating like 5,000 calories of nuts. And it was like, 
This is meant to be healthy. I, I, you know? I'd, right you, I'd, I I'd, I'd, I'd met you after a year. You've been raw, and you had a little nut butter belly. Yeah, we call it nut butter like gut. Half a jar of nut butter a day. Yeah. Oh, I didn't have that problem. I did not have that problem at all. Wow. Uh, so, so what's a typical what's a typical Brian Adams breakfast? Today? Yeah. It'll be a, a bowl of fruit um, and maybe a glass of juice. My favorite juice is, well, actually, there isn't really a favorite one. But when I sort of tend to lean towards, it's just some watermelon, put it in a blender, some, some raw ginger and a bit of lime. And wow. uh, that that's that's a go to, but I mean, if if I'm if I'm uh, if I'm truthful, it's just fruit in the morning, and then probably about eleven, I'll have a bit of toast and coffee. Well, and what happens in Vancouver winter? Because that ain't a real watermelon kind of like thing. You know, the way watermelon I can understand <laughs> at thirty degrees or forty yeah, degrees. I'll still drink juice every day if I can. You know, I just think that you know because we're made of water, I think we should be giving ourselves plant water and, and anything that's cooked or processed, uh, you know, with the even even juice that you buy in the store, you know, they they they, they pasteurize it and, and it takes all the stuff out of it. So, you know, making yourself fresh juice is a real gift. You know, I think that's and, the best thing you can do. And do you have a philosophy in terms of the type of juicer? Because we used to have juice bars and we had centrifugal juicers and we had masticating juicers and we got very into green star juicers. And I'll, I'll show you my favorite juicer. Hang on. I thought you might have one. I have one. <laughs> trash the place. You got a lot of pots and pans, Brian. Looks pretty cool. Oh yeah, up. there we go. Yeah, we okay, used to I have those. That one. Yeah, I know that one. I used to have one like that. It's made yeah, by Phillips. Phillips. You can't go wrong. Yeah, you yeah, can, yeah that's, that's, a that's a centrifugal, an upright centrifugal juicer. You can pop a hole. Apple, you know, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Good. Have you ever done juice fasts or any of that type of stuff? Yeah, yeah, I did. I, I've done, I think the longest I did was about 10 days. Um, and then, you know, the dreams of, of spaghetti would happen again. And then... <laughs> yeah, I, I got, did, into, water, I I got did... into water fasting a few times and I find it really, really good for the mind. And as weird as it sounds, quite good for the soul and spirit. It gave you that opportunity to realize how much of my day was ob- obsessed around food. And how much I had to kind of make peace with that and accept it. You know what I found on, when I did the raw diet was, um, was how addicted I was to, to wheat and sugar. And that, that's something that you don't really realize until you start. And you realize, wow, I just, a piece of toast would be great right now. Or just, you see people eating bread and you think, oh, this looks so good. But you, you, it, it's, a, it's an incredible addiction. And... Did you not find that when you did yours? Well, we've got a bakery now, so I can't even imagine what it's like. Like we did yoga this morning to the smell of fresh sourdough being baked and the smell of hot scones. Like I couldn't even imagine, you know, it was heavenly. And sometimes you just got to go bathe in it, you know, the way. and I don't mean literally by going bathing in bread, but just kind of snort it in, go, I'm going to get a loaf of bread and rip it open and just get stuck into it. I've got to get into the happy pair thing here. Hang on. Is that- <laughs> yeah. Oh, there <laughs> we go. Yeah. There. Oh, nice guns, Brian. Love it. Yeah, we went out for a little jog there before. Yeah, you guys look browner than me. You look much browner, you two. Well, you know, Irish summers, Ireland's very famous for its hot tropical weather. So, you know, we've been out Beautiful. seeing ourselves a lot. <laughs> That's a joke. Uh, one thing I'd love to talk to you, Brian, about is community. 
because community is something that's so dear to our hearts and something that we really believe in that's often forgotten as kind of a health tonic. And something that I really admire about you is that you've been working with the similar band for so long. Like, how do you manage to... What does, or, or what, what, is, what, what does community mean to you? And, and, and what are your thoughts on it nowadays in current culture? Well, I can only speak for, uh, for what I've been, you know, true to, which is the loyalty I've had with my band members, um, with my management. I've been with the same managers since I was 18. And, um, and even road crew, I've got, I've got road crew I've had since I was 21, you know? And, and so I guess that's my community. It's my little circus. You know, we, we all, um, of course we've all been off for this whole pandemic. None of us have been working, but it's coming back. I think, um, we'll, we'll have to see. And have they been kind of like a family for you in a sense, you know, the way like your, your yeah, team you on the road, it. you can't help it. You know, and uh, it's it's just uh, it's like a brotherhood, you know. That um, when you've been around together, Keith, my guitar player, and I've you know we've known each other since we were sixteen, and <laughs> you know, it, there's nothing like it. It's 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 like having another brother. Um, and I think that sort of answers the question. And has that kind of helped you stay level? Because you know the way, like, you've had a very colorful life. You know, I was running, we were going for a run there and I was saying, like, we're 41. We've had the last kind of 20 years as adults where we've kind of been playing out the cultural narrative. If you make loads of money, if you become famous, if you become this, that, or the other, you're going to be happy. And we've been some product of that to some degree. And the last kind of five or 10 years, we've become more aware of that. Like, that doesn't really make you happy at all. Or like, you know, it, it doesn't lead to that substantial. And like with you having this inner circle, has that kind of kept you level-headed or managed to make you not lose yourself throughout your career? Because you've like, when I was reading through your Wikipedia page, I was like, oh my God, like you've lived a lot of people's lives. Like I didn't, uh, I didn't write that, by the way. No, um, no. Uh, but just, it just of the stuff that you did, like it's like the amount of touring and who you played with and where you played venues. And, you know, it's, it's so colorful. Well, the, the, the sense of community you're talking about when it comes to band and, and touring and management, uh, that for me is, was completely unconscious. I mean, I didn't, if there were people that didn't work out and they, and they had to move on, then that's, that, that happens, you know, that's the way life is. Um, but, uh, but really if, if, if no one taught me how to, to do that, I was just, that's just how it is. That's how, how I am. And that's how our organization has been. Um, the other thing that's really nice is family, you know, being close to your family, taking care of your family, um, especially now because my, my mom is, is coming up 93 and, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's incredible to, to watch, to watch that. It's, 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 it's tough. Um, but I think that's, again, it come, it, it has to, it has to come from somewhere. So I think having a very close family, uh, for me. And even having children now, the, all those things, you know, bring you back down to earth. If your family can tell you, you know, some, I think most families can, I'm not sure if all families, but they'll tell you when you're out of line, you know? Oh, totally. You think, you think you're something hot and you come home, you know, back home from a day on, on cloud nine thinking, well, I'm brilliant. You come in, it's like, you're late, you're five minutes late, go do that, go this. It's like, oh, hey, I, uh, yeah. You know, but, you know a, even, even when the times are tough, uh, cause everyone goes through ups and downs. Um, 
someone might say something and it might lead you to think, well, actually, there's a point there, but but this is really how it is. So it's time for everyone to get together and have a chat. And so even when we're on tour with with the group, you know, we'll sit down and have we'll have a talk about what we're doing. And, and I'll sit down with my crew and let's say, let's let's talk about what's going on. And, and I think having those those communications, because communication and talking, not, not like this, by the way, but face to face. You know, uh, those kind of conversations are important to have all the time and in, in any relationship. Yeah, kind of. And is there, and when you're talking about with so the brand band, like I can only imagine, like when you're on tour and there's loads of stuff going on and you're moving from one place to the next place and there's loads of balls up in the air. Do you have a structure that you almost follow, or is it just organically? Everyone sits down and you've got to clean the air, or when it's time to have a chat, we'll have a chat. when it's time for a chat, we'll sit down and have a chat and just open up, kind of quake. I always admired the Quakers. The sense of where they'd all sit round together, and when someone had someone to talk, say something, they'd stand up and they'd talk, and then every, there was no necessarily stru- the structure was when someone spoke, everyone listened, and then when someone felt moved, they spoke, and it just kind of went on from there. Yeah, <coughs> I, I didn't know that. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, we stayed in a Quaker maybe, place. Yeah, maybe we Quakers. Yeah, yeah, sure. Maybe we're all Quakers in a way. Uh, here's a question for you that's very relevant to. So you've got ink like. Your parents were of English descent, like military background to some degree or whatever. Did you watch the football match last night? And did you watch England? I did. And do you still feel kind of an association to England? You can't not. When, when your parents are British, I mean, you can't not. Are you but, cheering? But I'll tell you something else. On my mum's side, my, my background is from County Wicklow. That's I where from? And from uh, um, my, my dad's side, it's from County Cork. Wow. I've got both sides. Well, I was in Cork last week. Where are you? Jeez, that's gas. Wicklow's great. It, oh, goes, back, it goes back a bit. Uh, it goes back a few generations, but I've had it looked at, and definitely there's Irish in there. Wow, Wicklow. Well, Wicklow's the Garden of Ireland. That's where we're from, where there's... Oh, like, I know. Live. I've been there. Yeah, I've been there. wow. Sheesh, wow. Well, we'll, Next time, come and hang out. We'll walk up the hills. No problem. Yeah. Uh, the, and, and so your mom, like your mom's seems, she, does she still paint at 93 or does she still write she does. poetry? Or yeah, she does. Yeah, she's had a stroke, so she only has one hand. But she only, it's the hand that she needs to paint with. So that's, that's cool. Yeah, she, wow. she, she works at it all the time. That's what keeps her going. Yeah, wow. And like, and because I, I, was, I was amazed to see that like, you know, she writes poetry and then <laughs> like, and, and I'm very curious of poetry. Like I love to write. And at the moment, my only kind of outlet is writing captions for Instagram, but I still really enjoy it. Like sitting down, contemplating, trying to write something that's going to impact someone's day amongst all the noise out there. So to me, I feel like I'm a poet, even though I'm not really, I'm just writing a caption for a social media thing. Well, I think, I think expressing yourself creatively is, is good so i mean if, if you if you're working and it doesn't matter if you're working on instagram or whatever as long as you as long as you putting it together words are important go ahead what are you gonna yeah, it say? makes me think of you know that you know the way there was three three guys um moving blocks um and one guy was moving blocks um you know they were building a building and he goes what do you um, they asked the first guy what are you doing he said i'm just moving blocks up just up here and they asked the second guy what are you doing i'm building a wall and the last guy I'm building a cathedral. Can you not see it? And I think that totally summarizes it to me. Like, although you're writing an Instagram post, you're writing poetry, Dan. I'm a poet. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm part. Of, it's part of the creative process. <laughs> it's not what you do. It's what does, you, how you feel. And does Dave, that like Dave, s- Dave, you're a poet? You don't even know it. 
Right. Oh, Brian, you're a star. Thank you. Thank you. And does that, does your mother's kind of poetry, did she kind of encourage writing or because like. No, she, that all happened for her much, much later in life. Um, she started. Oh, so you gave her permission. Because I don't, I don't get the link between like military backgrounds and then this creativity because like your mother seems to be very creative, your brother and you. There, there, I mean, it doesn't matter what the background, I mean, that's as far as, as far back as I can, as I can research it, um, my, the, the men in, in my family have been in the British army and I was the first generation that didn't, even my cousins went in, uh, but, uh, it, it doesn't really matter if, if you have military background, you can still be creative. I mean, loads of people in the military were creative. So, um, uh, I don't know how that. And creativity can often be seen as the arts as opposed to, you know, accountants can be really creative. You know, eco economists, eco economics traditionally came from moral philosophy. So I think, you know, I think creativity well, I, I would more think of it in the, in the context of, you know, the way like, so we, we came from a, like we played a lot of rugby and we were sporty kind of people. So we weren't, that word artist was never, we never thought of like, if you're an artist, you just do paintings. Like that's an artist. Whereas now we've got friends that like they're artists, they're creative people. Whereas like army and those type of things don't, I never, maybe in my own personal experience, I've never, they're almost like two separate worlds that I've kind of okay, almost. On a Let's, if you really want to get into it, uh, on, on my, on my, on both sides of my family, my grandfathers were Royal engineers and engineering is a very creative thing. Okay. To, to, to be able to, to, to build roads, build bridges, you know, all that it takes a lot of thought and creativity. So. Uh, you know, I don't, it doesn't matter, you know, you don't have to be painting a painting. You could be doing a drawing of a bridge and it's still great. Yeah, good one. I was, I was looking today at a, um, a video on grafting. You know, you know, grafting where you, you take a scion from a, from a tree. Okay, this graft on, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. So yeah, even, that, even we I, once had a, a we were running a cherry farm and it was dwarf apple trees and we grafted on cherry, or there were cherry uh, branches were grafted on the top so that they were smaller cherry trees so we could hand pick them as opposed to needing ladders to pick them. Right. So uh, I mean, that's sort of, I'm sort of quite into, into gardening. And so I like, I like the, uh, I think a little bit of that every day does you good. Well, yeah, do you keep so, a garden? I do. Vegetables, vegetables or veg flowers? Um, it's, it's vegetables. Okay, very important, very important question. What's your favorite vegetable and why? Uh, I think my favorite one is kale. Um, and I grew, the, I grow the Cavello Nero, the, the really long, dark, rich kale. It. AKA dinosaur uh, kale. And I find, I, you call it dinosaur kale, yeah. So I, I find it uh, to be the most versatile um, sort of kale because you can, you can make an amazing soups out of it, you can make it in, you can put it into pastas, you can make, uh, you can make incredible salads, and, and and my favorite one of my favorite salads is taking that kale, chopping it up quite fine, and then just a little bit of lime and a tiny bit of fresh chili on top. Wow! And that's and it. Do you, do you marinate because salt and olive oil, maybe if you yeah. want. Yeah, yeah, because kale can be very dense. That it's almost like like we made a kale Caesar salad there two days ago, and we put like. I'll always marinate a bit of kale in salt and lemon juice just to help break down the cell's walls and make it easier to chew. Yeah, I like it. I like it crispy, but they, I try cutting it up quite fine, and then okay. and, and then and then making the salad. Because if you make it big, then you get all these big pieces. And take I take the center stem out 
and they use the and they use the leaves. Yeah, yeah. I, I this is the first, we're we're starting. We have a small sprout farm where we grow like wheatgrass and microgreens like alfalfa, pea, fennel, fenugreek. And this year we're starting a six-acre farm. So we're so excited. This morning we were just having a meeting planning it. And we're beyond excited about it. And we're planning out, you know, it's going to be organic and it's going to be regenerative. So it's all, you know, we were planning out like how we're going to, you know, manage our soil so that we have as much biodiversity in our soil so that the plants literally, we create the environment where the plants can't but grow into healthy, you know, strong plants. Yeah, good one. Good one. Yeah, so super yeah. exciting. Do, do you, with your foundation, do you kind of try to steer it towards nature and investing in, like, because you 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 have a fillet, a very philanthropical kind of side. Philanthropical, philanthropical. Uh, you know that word. Philanthropic. You, you like donating <laughs> some of the money that you made towards good causes to make the world a better place. And do you try to steer that towards Mother Nature and cultivating more, you know, of that sense of... Lately, um, with the foundation, I've been helping my brothers uh, and, and sisters in the music business that have been left out with the pandemic. I did a bit of... Uh, Quite a bit of work with uh, homeless people. I did a book, in fact, on a photographic book on on uh, on homeless people in, in London. And I've been sort of I, I've sort of focused it more towards uh, human and 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 children, of course. And are you involved, like on a on a regular basis, in the kind of the running of your? It's quite simple. It's just me and somebody else, and that's it. We just do it all. We and 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 it's it's. It's quite quiet, and we never. I never talk about it. <laughs> and because um, <laughs> okay. when you see it on well, TV, maybe, when you see all the Brian says he doesn't talk about it. So okay, that's, okay, that, right. that's a polite way of saying let's move on. Oh, Ooh. good man! <laughs> what's your favorite food? What's your favorite veg to photograph? Because you know, say say we're growing lots of different stuff in the garden, from carrots to peas to mange tap. Uh, and a fr- or Monge too, sorry. And a friend gave us these beautiful. <laughs> I'm waiting for the, the to remember the name. I think it's called. Aeoniums, and you know that that beautiful, the magical golden ratio, which was Sarah one point six, one, point six one two, and it's the golden rule, and it's like the golden rule of symmetry, which was based on I can't remember the word. My friend Mark, who's wonderful into kind of romantic. Um, renaissance ideas and, <laughs> and he, he was able to talk about it a lot more eloquent than i but like what's your favorite veg to photograph or something that really grabs your attention because it's often you know it's easy for they're some they're all good i mean i'm grateful for anything that grows to be fair uh so if if it's if it's successful uh, in the garden i'm always um i just can't, I, oh, it's like a marvel you know suddenly if you get a great tomato you think oh it's amazing isn't it um and so anything really, I mean, and it's it's about experimentation too, to see let's see what we can grow. It, it depends, and it all depends on your earth and the quality of you, the earth, the earth you have, and and if there's enough rain and if there's enough sunshine, so many different factors. Um, so just grateful for any of it, to be fair. And so, do you? Do you, a, you can I finish that? I was okay, going to say, do you ever? Uh, I always love the idea of bringing out a chair into the glasshouse and sitting <laughs> amongst the tomatoes and hanging out with the tomatoes and writing and reading and being a bit philosophical or whatever do you ever sit there with your guitar and a little notepad and go how are you tomatoes tomatoes What's are gonna going play on? a gig for you here we go all my number well, ones I, I i get i get i get too involved in there and then after a couple hours i'm out because it, it, there's too much to do and the thing is you probably find with your own garden that uh it, you just it's just never ending it just it just never ends you, you can start at this end by the time you get to that end you got to start over at this end so it's uh there's no time to be sitting around it's just it's work 
Yeah, yeah. Totally. Your, your daughter's into it at all. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They love it. Yeah, because that's something. I mean, they love it. They love it. But they, it's coming for 20 minutes then. Yeah, yeah, of course. It's not, they don't love the work of it. They love the idea of picking strawberries yeah. or something. Yeah. Certainly minded. Because I have two daughters and Steve has one daughter. So yeah, yeah I have two, my, my oh, sons actually, I have two sons and they're actually really interested. And it was a good way of getting like my daughter, May, who typically wouldn't be, you know, she'll eat pretty well. But, it, but, but like we started growing, my wife's Polish. So, and my wife loves radish, known as Kievka in Polish. And May wanted to grow her mom, like Justina, a load of um, Kievka, And she started growing them. And as soon as she picked them, it was like, she couldn't help but eat it. And then it was like, that's delicious. And now radish is one of her favorite foods. You know, that way. So I think it's a great way of getting them involved in it. Yesterday I had a salad, which was uh, peppers, olives, uh, red peppers, olives, um, a bit of olive oil, lime, and what was in there? Uh, it, was, it was kind of like a Greek salad without the cucumber. And, wow. and it was just, it was so, oh, tomato, of course. And it was just so simple and so filling and so delicious. It reminded me of the days when I was only eating, you know, trying to find recipes on the raw diet that were exciting and interesting. And I was like, what? you know what? I didn't need any bread that day. It was like, <laughs> that was good. <laughs> and you didn't dream of spaghetti. And did, uh, and were, were some of the stuff in the garden, like the tomatoes and peppers or? Yeah, the, uh. I have good luck with peppers. I don't have so much luck with tomatoes, um, but uh, it's, I'm working on it. Don't worry. I'll, keep, I'll send you a report. Because <laughs> <Okay, laughs> uh, we, we were chatting, we were chatting about community to another guy, Dan Butner, who he ha- he started this thing called the Blue Zones, where it's the longest living. You know, he did research and found the longest living, healthiest people on the planet, and he found the five areas where it's the most amount of centenarians. And when he looked into these people, how they lived their lives, he found that they typically had vegetable gardens because it gave them a sense of purpose. It made them move. They had to be out there bending down, picking stuff. And then when they were cultivating it, growing it, they were definitely going to feck and eat it. They weren't going to see it rot. So it, like, yeah. it had a double benefit of movement, of daily purpose, and then also it made them healthier, eat vegetables. So, yeah, good habit. And you know, one of my favorite things is pesto. Um, do you eat pesto? You must do, uh, right? We have, we, a, pesto we, we have a pesto factory here. We literally made, like... <laughs> Tons like of probably, pesto. Tr- probably one to two tons. Like even look there. Tons to- of vegan pesto. Oh, so this is sun dried tomato one here. Then this is probably yeah. this is the one that I came up with the recipe about 15 years ago, and it's still one of our best selling products. Is it really made- good? So we, pesto- we, you'd like it. We sprout almonds. So there's almonds that have been germinated in it. Oh, nice, nice. I, I like the mixture of parsley and basil together. Ooh, As- controversial. <laughs> Not really, but boy, is it ever good. And what's your acid? What acid are you using? Lemon, lime, balsamic lemon. vinegar, lemon. 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 Nice. Is that is that is that the uh, that's, that's that par- a mean one? That's that's a basil one. We don't put parsley through it, but try it's, try, it's, try mixing it with parsley and see how you go. And we put okay another one. We put cashews instead of pine nuts, roasted cashews, because you get a sweeter, creamier one, and therefore you can kind of compensate for any parmesan with no. Oh, no cheese in mine. Forget no, it. none in ours, of course, too. You know. So. <laughs> Where how long you, that how long you been vegan for you two? Not as long. I think about 20 years. I think you've topped us by a decade. So you win yeah. the vegan race. I didn't even know what vegan was when I started uh, going down the path. I, you know, I just thought vegetarian and I had huge arguments with people about it. They'd say, oh, no, you're, you're not a vegetarian. You're a vegan. And I said, well, what's that mean? Well, you, you don't eat milk and cheese. Well, I said, that's vegetarian. No, 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 no. Vegetarians eat milk. What 
part of a vegetable does a milk and cheese come from? You know, <laughs> I, I have this argument with people. One of vegetarians are allowed to eat eggs. Well, what, what plant grows an egg? But I lost the argument. So I'm a vegan. How long, okay. When did you start? You were like, you're, it was back. I was 28. Vegan for- 28. 28. That, wow. 1988. Um, and I went full on, like right, right away. I was actually inspired by a book um, called Fit for Life, which was a, a, a book designed for Americans that wanted to lose weight. And it was all about food combining. Like if you eat, um, do you know about food combining? Beans and rice, you were going to get a complete protein and all that type of stuff. Yeah, the, the, like you don't eat proteins with starches, those sort of things. And oh, if you yeah. want to, if you want to uh, have a an easy, easy time on your stomach, don't mix the potatoes with your with your oh, protein. Yeah. Minimize um, the farting. Which was the antithesis of how I grew up, because you know we we grew up with having everything on a plate. Um, but I, I was quite inspired by the idea of it, and and they also that book also got me into the whole idea of, of having fresh fruit in the morning to start out with. And that, that uh, in fact, I, I contacted the, the writer probably about 10 years ago. His name was Harvey Diamond. And I just said, man, I'm just so grateful to you because it was such a nice thing to uh, come across when I was 28 and looking for something, you know, and I just happened upon the book. And it was written in the 70s, so it wasn't really uh, a, a fad at the time. It was just something I, I came across and thought, man, just, this, is it, this is it. And did of course, you hear, back? Did you hear back from Harvey? Oh yeah, I did. Yeah, he, he was very sweet. Um, but it, it's it's uh, you know if it was just interesting how it happened at the time because um, it was exactly what I needed to do, and of course the guys in my band were like, "Come on, man, have a hamburger!" And I was like, "No, it's not going to happen." Of course, you're a rock star, like. And pretty sh- and pretty soon afterwards, all of them became vegetarians. Wow. And are they, so like your, your like team dinners, your band dinners are not like steak and barbecue. They're like raw, raw KLC salads. And- it, it's, uh, it's proper uh, vegan food when we're out you know, together. Um, and they'll, they'll have a bit of cheese in that, but, but um, I won't. And yeah, no, it, it, it's been amazing. You know, it's, uh, I, I'm, you know, I have this philosophy, which is that what you do today uh, and how you run your life, whether it be with exercise or diet, you're building the, the building block for what you're going to be in 10 years. So whatever you're doing now and how, how you're living your life. So if you're caning it now, you're going to feel it in 10 years time. And so it, it, just think about that when you're, when you're doing your planning, your, your, your life and what you're doing, because it seems to be uh, for me that everything I've done in the past 10 years or 20 years or 30 years, has led me to this, to the health that I have today, you know? Yeah, pretty cool. How, how did you manage to sustain it? Cause I know like say, you know, we started eating a vegan diet almost 20 years ago and for, we were very fortunate there was two of us. So that when someone came, you know, said there was a group of friends going, why aren't you having a hamburger? It was like, there was two of us going, I don't want one. And then we had Come support. Come on Dave, let's leave, let's leave. You know, we had that sense of support and that sense of our own little community, our own little support network. Whereas you were kind of somewhat I'm guessing you were kind of on your own. You know, did you have any allies? I, I had an ally. I, I had an ally with a guy called Mutt Lang, who was a producer. And Mutt um, Lang—that's a cool name. Yeah, he's a—he was a great producer. He—he's been vegetarian, I think, most of his life. And so, I think because I was working with him a lot during the '90s, I had an ally. 
and it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't tough. And he he's been he's very very good about his vegetarianism. I know don't know what he's like today. I think he might have slipped into the cheese world, but um, uh, it, I did feel quite alone. But at the same time, you talked about earlier about about you know about that about the idea of being on your own and the idea of, of it. Um, but I was okay with it, and I've always been okay to be a bit outside um, because. I felt the difference that was doing, and I was working so hard too. I mean, in the nineties, there wasn't any time to reflect. You just, we just went on tour and I'm so happy that I had that to, to fall back on because I hardly ever got sick. Boom, boom. And, uh, I, my voice carried on through the whole decade and the decade after that and the decade after that. So, uh, I, I feel that, you know, and I don't drink, I don't smoke. Bit boring, really. Um, not, 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 not the life of the party. <laughs> no, you're kind of, you're kind of my kind of party, you know. But like I read, you... I read in 1983 you did 283 gigs. Like, there's only 365 days in a year, as far as I remember, and that's 283. So that's like pretty much nearly one every day. Like, so you've yeah, got to well, be like on your game. Yeah, and back then I wasn't very healthy, so um, I, I, I suffered. It was tough, and. So, is, you know, if you're going to work that hard, you have to give yourself something back. And that's what it comes down to. You know, if, you, if you're training hard, if you're working hard, you have to be able to supply yourself with the right, the right energy. And that's, that's so, you must know, you guys run and you're, you're yeah, very, yeah, it's, it, it's just about, you know, it's, it's the fuel that, that keeps you going. So, yeah, grateful for the, for the book and, uh, and, and for the ride. It's been, it's been great. And, I, you know, along the way, I mean, you've probably seen on my Instagram that I, I, uh, I talk a lot about animal rights and I talk a lot about um, um, veganism and uh, sometimes to my detriment because, uh, uh, you know, I, I, I get quite passionate about it. And, um, but it's important. People should know about it. There isn't really, there, there aren't a lot of people out there really, you know, pushing it other maybe than Joaquin Phoenix and, you know, odd people here, but yourselves, you know, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's uh, we're still quite a small group comparatively. Um, but I, I, I'll tell you what, from, from the time I started to now, which is 30 odd years, the shift that's gone, and you can, you may have felt it yourselves, the, the shift that the people are moving towards a more plant-based diet, it's, it's stronger and stronger. I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that the internet has brought it more to the forefront. I think that's really helped a lot. And there's a lot more people talking about it and, and the fitness that goes along with it. It's, uh, it's the only way, really. Yeah, I think and that, I, like, there's more on. and more a sense of community around it. I think like there's three main things leading at one people aware of climate change and there's people coming in for the animals and then there's people coming in for personal health. And I think whichever one you come in, as soon as you become aware of the other two factors, you're suddenly like, wow, this makes a lot of sense. And even if you're not going to be fully vegan, I think anyone that can make baby steps that direction, they're just going to benefit themselves and enhance benefit the macro environment there. And certainly certain we found the same with our parents that when we first became vegan and came home like they certainly weren't into it in any sense but over time like all our brothers have got into it all our parents have got into it our families like it's just become the norm like when we go for it was our mother's 
big birthday there recently. And, seventh uh, birthday, was it? <laughs> our mother's seventh, seventh birthday, yes. <laughs> and, uh, and there was like a big family dinner out in the garden, like to celebrate it. And there was a big vegan barbecue for 17 people. So it's like, and that's the norm. Like it's vegan barbecue with salads and like, you know. Dad's out there in the barbecue turning the vegan sausages and the peppers and the aubergines. <laughs> and the and kids going, like, Rah. and that's it. And we're all going, yeah. Yeah, well, you know, I'm, that's the other thing about, about plant-based food. I'm not really keen on food that's been prepared uh, ahead of time. You know, all the packaging and things of, of uh, um, you know, the things that are trying to be meat. I mean, I guess it's good for people that really want to uh, still have the, the sensation of, of goo coming out of their food. But uh, I didn't, I never liked the idea of, of there are some burgers you can get which are quite nice you know um but the idea of, of having them really simulate it to the point where it has the texture of meat or it has the flavor of meat or you know i'm not i'm not really into that mm. What's I don't, my, give me a lentil walnut burger and i'm very happy uh, one thing I'd love to talk to you about, or two things I'd like to talk to you about. One is definitely parenting and being a father to daughters. And what kind of values do you try encouraging them? And what kind of parenting? And I'd love to talk to you about that. Like I've got two daughters, one's 10, one's eight. And it's challenging because a lot of my own philosophies on life kind of get tested. You know, like I eat a vegan diet, but my kids live between my house and their mother's house and she doesn't eat vegan. So I've got to, in my house, they eat vegan. And then when they're with her, her you know, they don't eat vegan and there's lots of challenges and my ideals are constantly tested. And how do you find like being a parent and what kind of edges has it rounded on yourself? One of the things that we just talked about when uh, we were going to have kids was that they're definitely going to be vegetarian. And it was a challenge because the grandparents aren't. And um, it was a challenge because I mean, I know people that have brought their children up a vegetarian and they're beautiful and they're smart and they're, and they're healthy and there's no problem. But for people that don't know that you can do that, they think that you have to have this, you have to have this thing about meat protein. And it, it's just nonsense. My, my kids are now 10 and 8 and they've never had a scrap of meat or fish or egg. Well, they've had a bit of egg, but they've never had anything else. They've never had any animal. Um, and you know what, if I was to put in front of them, they just go, no, thanks. And it's not because I beat, I brain beat them into it. They just never, never liked it and they were never fed it. And so they don't want it. And so when they go to their friend's house, they don't eat it. They say, Oh, Papa, someone had a, someone had a sausage. It's really gross. <laughs> so, so, I, don't have to, I don't have to say anything. They're just, they're already into it. Wow. And do you cultivate music in them at all? Like, do, you, do they play instruments? Um, they, they like to sing. And, um, but if I try to sing, I get their hands on my mouth. So they don't, they don't, <laughs> they don't, they don't, they don't want to hear my singing. But um, I, it's all in good fun. And, but the other day I heard my daughter singing. And she sent me a video of herself singing. And it was just so, so beautiful. Um, I'd play it for you if she let me, but she won't let me. Wow. Well, well just for reassuring, my daughter is like, mine are 10 and 8 too. And we, we loved The Greatest Showman, that movie. And we oh, went to see it loads yeah. of times in the cinema. And we went to the sing-along ones. And my daughters, every time I go to sing, they cover my mouth. Now, I can't, I'm, not, I'm no <laughs> Brian Adams. 
I'm no Brian Adams, but uh, they just hate me singing along to anything too. So, yeah. So, uh, but in terms of the the general family thing, I mean, I think they're they're really good. They're 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 good in school. They um, what was challenging was the the whole homeschooling thing. That was tricky. Ooh, I don't know. Oh, hello. Oh, this is Daisy. Daisy, do you want to meet Peaches? I'll see if I can get Peaches. Hang on a second. <laughs> That's quite apt that your dog is named after a fruit. She's <laughs> oh. <laughs> Peaches. Is pe- Peaches. What age is Peaches? She's about four. She's very um, placid. She, she's, not, she's not loud in the kitchen, so she's looking, she's looking a bit glum. Aren't you, mate? She yeah. looks almost dosa, maybe because you tried to feed her your kale soup and she doesn't really like it. Oh, no, she's, she's on her own out there. She's, she's scrapping around. But um, hello, Daisy. Let Daisy meet Peaches. Yeah, Daisy, <laughs> Daisy's my daughter's dog and I'm minding her. So it's like, no, oh, look, at, look at the face. Because she's, <laughs> she's never allowed in the kitchen. She doesn't know what's oh, going on. She's delighted. On. She doesn't know what she's doing. She's getting a day out. As, as an animal lover, do you have any, is, is it just the dog? Yeah. Or, or do you have a whole little farm? No, just the dog. No, 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 no. <laughs> just the dog. Wow. That's uh, f- final question for you. Okay, so in terms of travel, I saw that you like, you seem, there's a lot of people in Japan that seem to like your music. And I saw that like, you used to travel to Japan in the 80s and the night, like you seem to spend lots of time there. Like, yeah. do you love Japan? And what was the culture like? And does it inspire you from a design and all those kind love of angles? Japan. I, I love Japan. It was it's it. I I first played there in 1981, and it was a, it was a it was a, a amazing time because it was a it was a uh, I got to reunite with my father because he was living there at the time, and so I have really 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 strong memories of of Tokyo and and just fell in love with the with the culture and the people and the food. I mean, you have to imagine. I mean, I'd never seen it. A piece of sushi when I was nineteen or twenty, or you never even knew it existed. Um, and w- w- when I first went there, there was this other thing which I'd never seen before or heard of called karaoke, which uh, <laughs> I, I thought it was one of the funniest things that I've ever seen, because uh, we went to a bar and, and and these fellows would get up there with their ties and and they would all be sitting there. They'd have their own whiskeys and everything, and they do these songs, and it was just I, I was I couldn't believe it. And of course, it became the biggest thing, you know. Everyone knows karaoke. It's just it's just a word now. We think of it, but back then it wasn't it wasn't a thing. It was just a it was a Japanese cultural thing. And there's a lot of honor involved, where you get up in front of your boss and you sing a song in front of your boss, and it's 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 like respect and honor and 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 harmony. How can so many people live in one place and be so harmonious and respectful? It's if you ever go to get a, get a chance to go to Tokyo, it will absolutely floor you because you you will find those things uh, the things that stand out the most. If you go if you walk into a supermarket, you know the first thing that everyone does is they they give you a nod of respect and show you where your cart is and then help you. It's, just, it's a completely different culture than anywhere else. You don't need you don't need to go anywhere else in the world or you don't need to go into space. Just go to Tokyo. <laughs> my my daughters went a few years ago to. Their uncle was getting, their Australian uncle was getting married to a Japanese woman. And they went over there to the wedding and spent a couple of weeks there and went to Disneyland in Japan. 
And when I'm talking to them about it, they're like just saying, Daddy, it's like you're not allowed to drink water in the street. Like you've got to stand beside the vending machine and drink the water. And like you're not allowed. Like they were just so intrigued with how everyone just followed the rules and were so like in line. We, the only person that's played there more than me is Eric Clapton. Um, and I'm coming after you, Eric. <laughs> I love it. Have your daughters been there yet? <laughs> Yes, my 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 oldest has been there um, when she was she was there when she was about one or two years old, um, and of course, you know, the, one of the things about uh, Japan is they honor your name with the, with the so you so you be Steve San and Dave San, and I be Brian San, and my daughter is Bunny, so she be Bunny San, and I just thought <laughs> that's the, best, the best thing Bunny San is just the best thing I've ever heard. Um, and uh, of course, she's, this is when she could just start crawling. So she was crawling around the hotel room. And so I have great memories. So, yes, uh, it's interesting you brought Japan up. But guys, listen, I'm going to take off because, you know, it's You're time for the national. It's I time for the national dish. And I, I, wish I, invite, I, wish, I wish I could invite you for lunch. And I hope that when I come to Ireland, you'll invite me to your oh, family. So we come hang out. Absolutely. We'll cook, we'll cook our version of the national for you. Yeah, love it. You're I love a star. it. Genuinely, thank thanks you. a million. Thanks so much for taking the time. We're really touched. And, and, and thanks for all you do to bring it ever to everyone's attention. You know, carry on, guys. All the best to you. Thanks, Brian. Star. Thanks so Big much, your gem. Cheers, Cheers Brian. Brian. Thanks, Mel, for listening. We really, really appreciate it. Brian Adams, what a legend. That left me with a really warm, fuzzy feeling, genuinely. Yeah, it was really sweet. Just lovely to hang out, talk food with someone that, you know, like say, I'd have listened to Brian's music growing up and he's been such an icon uh, to anyone kind of listening to his music. And it's lovely to get to know the person beneath it and just to see how kind, how sweet, how deliberate, how thoughtful. I was reading through his Wikipedia page early, earlier and he was like back in Live Aid back in 1980s, you know, those massive big gigs to kind of, you know, to raise money for Africa. He, he fronted up the, he was the opening act in Philadelphia for the American leg of it. So he, when I was reading through it, I couldn't believe the extent to the man's career, but to really understand the, the human behind it and what makes him tick. That was glorious. I really, that was, a, yeah, that was I, inspiring for me and I hope you got a lot from it. Yeah, th- I, I, as we say every week, thanks so much for listening. Really appreciate you, you know, sharing your time with us. I uh, hope you enjoyed it. Please let us know on social what you thought. Uh, and if you want to share it on social, we will share it back too because, uh, you know, we love doing this and it's something that gives us great meaning. Yeah, and if you enjoyed this one, we've got loads of other episodes, so please do check them out. Big shout out to Shawnee uh, Cahill and Sarah Fawcett for producing and editing this episode. Cheers. Cheers. Lots of love. Bye. Bye.